0: Welcome to Creating Synergy, where we explore what it takes to transform. We are powered by Synergy IQ. Our mission is to help leaders create world-class businesses where people are safe, valued, inspired, and fulfilled. We can only do this with our amazing community. So thank you for listening.
1: Hey there, Synergizers, and welcome back to another episode of the Creating Synergy podcast. My name is Daniel Franco, and today we have an exceptional human being on the show, a very good friend of mine, Adam Vontoff. Adam is the current COO at Adelaide Oval and works to implement new company strategies, supporting the management and staffing teams, external stakeholder engagement, and always is looking for new business opportunities. He's been working at the Oval for the past 10 years now and has spent all of his 25-year career in hospitality, having worked in hotels and casinos before moving to the stadium. His career kicked off when he was just 17 years old, working down at West Lakes at the Lakes Resort in various departments, and then he became the food and beverage manager for roughly three years each at some of the big-name hotels, being Hotel Adelaide, Stanford Grand, Sky City Casino, the Outrigger in Fiji, and the Crown Casino in Perth. Adam is a born and bred Adelaide man, a loving father, a huge Port Power fan, a lover of golf, and is very proud of his MBA and AICD qualifications. In this episode, we deep dive into Adam's career journey to his current position as the COO, the perks and challenges of his work, how the Oval managed this ongoing COVID situation, specifically focusing on communication and staff and customer experience, and he shares all the plans and challenges for the future. If you love the episode, which I'm sure you will, be sure to hit subscribe button and check us out at SynergyIQ.com.au and SynergyIQ on all the social media outlets. Cheers. So welcome back to the Creating Synergy podcast. My name is Daniel Franco, your host, and today we have the great man, Adam Vontov. This is a rare occasion for us. It's the first time we're drinking having a chat over waters as opposed to uh, some wines or beers. So we we should highlight it's about (laughs) ten thirty in the morning as well. It (laughs) is it is ten thirty. We are sitting here at the beautiful Adelaide Oval. You are the COO at at the Great Oval, that is a showcase piece in Adelaide. How did your uh, How did your journey
0: get to where you are today? Yeah, I've been pretty lucky through my career. I'm um, born and bred in Adelaide, uh, down at Port Adelaide, and um, when I left school, went to work in hotels uh, down at the Lakes Resort, the uh with the with Greg Fay and Judy yeah. Faye down there. Fantastic people. Um and I was I love there their, for, I
1: love their smorgasbord. Right
0: there. Oh, it's <laughs> a great place. <laughs> I've always great. I've always been blessed with views where I've yeah, worked. So that was uh, no exception. It's on the river there working it's there. Beautiful. Um and I was pretty lucky there because I was sort of seventeen, eighteen and starting out in hotels and the lakes is a great venue to learn your craft in you know it's got accommodation it's got fine dining bistros gaming sports bars bottle shops so from a from a venue and hospitality you get a taste of of pretty much everything, everything there is yeah. and um and being young as well you sort of get thrown into all those areas as a spare pair of hands to start with yeah. until you sort of work your way through so uh, for me that was a, a good sort of introduction to, to hospitality uh, there um, is there a reason
1: why you chose hospitality? Is it something you, you were interested in younger or in your younger years? Or?
0: Yeah. I, well, my, um, when I was born, I, I, me and mum spent a lot of time with my grandparents. So my grandfather was a pretty big influence in my life growing up. And uh, the thing about granddad is he never went anywhere without stopping to the pub for a beer. Yeah, now, that could include getting the morning paper and a liter of milk. <laughs> you know, you'd, you'd you'd pop into the pub for a beer. So, uh, I, I guess from a very early age, you know, I was sort of raised in in pubs, um, and not one pub, but you know, anywhere you went, we'd pop in for a beer. And Granddad was kind of one of those guys that you know, he, he um, um, a lot of amateur league footy, and had been a, a rower and a water polo player and things like that. So, you know, he just had that sort of network. It didn't matter what pub you were called into, he'd know somebody. You know, in in that venue. Yeah. So, for me, growing up, it always seemed like a pub was a pretty happy place. Yeah. You know, you could walk into a pub and you knew somebody yeah. there. So, I think, and it still is. And, and, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think so. I, I think there's the difference there, though. Is uh, you know, you're talking about you know the 80s and and probably early 90s. You just probably still had more publicans yeah. in venues as well, um, as opposed to sort of more management, you know, now running venues for for corporations. Yeah. Um, so for me, yeah, pubs are a pretty happy place, and I love school. I, I, I enjoyed it, um, but I always wanted to work in hotels. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was always just something about that that uh, that I enjoyed. I enjoyed the experience um, as a kid, and uh, yeah, I was pretty lucky. So, so you moved your way up the ranks at, down at the lakes. Yeah, I, I when I was nineteen, I think um, there was a, there's a there's a position in hotels, accommodation hotels called night audit, and that's basically the guy that gets to work at eleven o'clock at night. Deals with all the drunks and the you know three o'clock club sandwiches and yep. uh, you know checks people out at <laughs> uh, at seven o'clock. But part of that job is um, rolling the hotel accounts and and things like that. Yep. So there's a bit of there's a bit of nouse about it. Yep. Um, you have to sort of know what you're doing. But um, I enjoyed that and I got to do that by doing a lot of work experience to start with. Yep. Um, there was a couple of guys that did that. It was a full time guy and a guy that did to the weekend. Yep. Um, and I did a bit of work experience in it just to learn it, uh, so I probably did six months yep. um, and then eventually somebody called in sick and I got a call up um, to do it um, for real so and got paid for it. That was great yeah, um, <laughs> and and uh you know for me that was that was a pretty big step in my career in a lot of ways because one is you know as a nineteen twenty year old Saturdays and Sundays, I was at work, you know rather than being out yep. drinking and, yep. and things like that um, it's a good way to save. Yeah, you'd, so think, you'd think you think so. <laughs> I, still, I still found a way. But uh but uh but 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 learning that um part of the hotel for me sort of led me into my next job. Um because when I was, you know, uh, twenty-one, I was ready to leave the lakes. Um I guess I'd been there for three or four years, I wanted to try something new. Uh I got an opportunity to go to the what's not there anymore, but the old Hotel Adelaide up yeah. here in North Adelaide mm-hmm. and uh doing night audit and then Move, making that move up to, to the hotel there, doing night audit and front office. So I was doing three afternoon shifts on the front desk, checking in people, um, and then two night audit shifts um, was 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 good. But while I was there, the um, food and beverage manager uh, left, inexplicably left. So back in those days, the Hotel Adelaide was known for chunky custard Christmas shows and yeah. you know not yeah. much else really, to be yeah, honest yeah. with you. Um, used to do a lot of weddings and things at the venue. but um, Jeez, I remember chunky custard. Right, you know, yeah were good fun. They were. I mean back in the day that was that was, that was yeah, if you most companies in Adelaide took yeah. their staff to the chunky custard yeah, Christmas show, you know. Right. Um yeah, uh good guys there too mm. and I still see some of those guys around town. And uh and yeah so the F&B manager left so I was a bit bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and I marched myself up to the general manager's office and I said, "Look, I think I could do that job at least while you try to find somebody uh, to do food and beverage and uh he said well okay i'll i'll give you a bit of a go which was you know very really grateful to uh to Sam for that uh so that's how i moved into food and beverage uh, mm-hmm. and that was my first food and beverage manager job so what was but, the difference between the night audit
1: uh, was it a smack in the face pretty a big was, big change or it
0: was look i i i knew about food and beverage having worked at the lakes and and what it was about yeah. and um there was a few things about it. One is it's the first time I'd actually been in a management position yeah. uh, where I had staff and rosters and sales teams and a gaming. We had a gaming room as well, so I knew yep. nothing about that. Mm. Um, so it's a pretty steep learning curve yeah, um, yeah. in that. Um, uh, but I, I enjoy the time. It was small enough that you couldn't really get too much wrong. Yeah, okay. um, it was an old building, so I learned a lot about hotel engineering. Because yeah. you know, <laughs> <just laughs> yeah. things broke all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I remember once the, uh, the, um, the electrical... Uh, converter or whatever in the hotel broke. So we had no yeah. electricity for um, 72 hours in the oh, hotel wow. because there was only one of these things in the country and there was one guy in the country who knew how to fix it. So oh, we, no. we had to shut down. But, um, you yeah, know, I, I like that. I like that job a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, one interesting thing that happened while I was there is I was relieving um, the gaming attendant for a break. So I used to work through to about 8.30, 9 o'clock and my last job of the day was to give the gaming attendant a break mm-hmm. for, for dinner and while I was in there, I got held up uh, by a guy who came in there, held me up with a, with a syringe and oh, wow. gave him all the money and stuff like that. And that was an experience that going through. A... And coincidentally, I'd gone through I'd pulled all the staff through hold um, up training with SAPO about two or three months earlier. So it was still quite fresh in my mind, you know, I was writing down details and pushed the panic alarm and rang, you know, triple O and all that sort of stuff, locked the gaming room. Funnily enough, the gaming patrons were still playing the machines. <laughs> they had no idea <laughs> no <laughs> any idea. of this had just happened. Um, but uh, yeah, that was an interesting experience going what, through that. as well. What goes
1: through your mind in that stage? Is that as a, the leader of a team, yep. are you does your mind turn to the safety of your, your people, your own personal safety, the, the safety of the the, the, the precinct? What it, like what is where does your mind go in, when, when put under such? pressure like I that. think
0: at that moment it's about compliance mm. with the thing that's immediately in front of you. Yeah. Um, getting that dealt with as quickly as, as possible, getting that person out of the out of the venue. Yeah. Um and then yeah, it does go to, you know, two things. One is the safety of the, the team, but then also it's about the preservation of any evidence or, you know, what's the detail, yeah. trying to write things down, you know, he was this tall, he was that, is yeah. that about five years later, I got a phone call from um SAPOL and they'd caught the guy. Oh, okay. um, and we ended up going through court and trial, and he'd escalated through a bit of a spree up into uh, firearm with the Savings and Loans Bank, I think, yeah, and wow. uh, went to court to testify and all that sort of stuff. And he got I think he got twelve years, yeah, wow. uh, as well. So, but it was an interesting. Experience to go through from from yeah. that time right through to, to carriage justice, yeah. and um, it was credit to the Sapol guys. I mean, they were
1: didn't let him go. It was obviously a repeating repeating repeat offence. Yeah. Was, was there a, any talk about the dangers of the syringe at the time? Did he actually have uh, like
0: many uh, 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 the as syringe? Like all I saw was a syringe full of yeah. what looked like blood to me. Could be tomato sauce, all I knew. Yeah. You know, okay. but it's not something you want to no. you know mess with anyway. No. So um but yeah that's a scary thought i guess it's just all those sorts of experiences that you know you Mm. don't want that to go through anybody i actually felt uh it was actually probably worse for the person who i had been giving the break to Mm. because that was his full-time job in there as well so for him to come back into that environment probably had more um uh more an effect on on him than it did me i guess in, in a lot of ways um But look, uh, good good experience, learned a lot there. Um, And then I had the opportunity to go to the Stanford Grand um, as the assistant food and beverage manager down there. So I think I was about 24 at that point Mm -hmm. down at the Grand. Um, It's like giving a case to the candy store to a kid, to be honest with you. So
1: (laughs) at that point, you're thinking this is where
0: I want my career to be. 100%. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, And I didn't think I'd get the job at all. I mean, I, I saw the job, I'd applied for it. I thought I was too young, which probably was. Um, I uh, wanted the job a lot, so I did as much research as I could. I stacked the decks as much as I could for myself as well in the sense of, you know, I opened up a PO box in Glenelg so that my address was in Glenelg Glenelg and, you know, I'd researched who the people were in the company. Um, I went on that day down to uh, Peter Shearer and bought a new suit. and The guy was brilliant. Like he had it, you know, ultra on the day. He was, you know – so nervous. looking as
1: schmick as you look now, mate. Or? I think I look better. I was probably
0: about twenty kilos lighter as well, right? So a few years younger. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, um, but but I but I really wanted the job, and then there's just some dumb luck in life, you know. Yeah. So when
1: um, but the uh, thing is, you've prepared more than probably what the next person did, which is evident, especially when people go through this recruitment process. Uh, you're a, you're a leader. You hire people every day. We hire people every day. It's you go through that process of. Has this person done their research? When you rock up to a meeting and they they haven't even gone on your website, (laughs) you know that that's a problem.
0: Totally. Absolutely. I think the dumb luck as well is Andrew Holmes who um, is a great guy, now has the Harndorf Inn up at at, uh, at Harndorf. He had worked out of Brisbane for the same owners of the Hotel Adelaide. Mm -hmm. So he knew that I'd worked for um, a Singapore-owned business. Um, Stanford was Singapore-owned at that time. Um, He knew the environment I'd come out of. Mm uh, and uh, and I guess we just spoke the same language, so mm. he took me on, which was great.
1: Is there a difference between an Australian-owned
0: or an American-owned and Singapore-owned? Or oh, I think that um, generally speaking, each con- each country has a has its own cultural yeah. um, uh, things about it. Um, I think with uh, if you're an Australian-owned company, and I, this is quite broad, right? But you, you might be a bit closer to your business as opposed to maybe you're investing in a business for long-term capital gains, yeah. you know. So I think each business will have its own drivers. Yeah. Then there's probably a cultural, um, you know, awareness that goes with whether you're working for an American company. When I worked for Outrigger, that was American-owned. Yeah. And they were very different yeah. Um. as well. So, um. yeah, we we'll can talk a bit more about that that later i guess but uh yeah worked for andrew down there and um yeah started down there at the grand which was fantastic um i think my first six months i was pretty lucky to pass probation um mm. because i didn't do a very good job of um building rapport with all the people down there there was some internal candidates yeah that had been wanting to go for that job um i was pretty young i was you know feeling pretty good about myself mm, yeah um and i had a both um andrew and at that time the general manager um adam laker uh he they took me aside and said we kind of like what you're doing we like you but if you can't find a way of working with the team we can't continue this this relationship and that was a big blow mm. to 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 me mm. uh, to my ego how i felt i was going um, and it was you know i'm really grateful to them for that
1: would you you say that's a turning point you're probably one of the more personal people i know right yeah. in the sense that you welcome everyone with open arms was that a turning point in your behavior
0: then? Is that kind of where you think you've turned to the person that you are today? I think it was the first time that I'd been pulled up on what it's what it means to be a manager in a workplace. Okay. Um, and I think that to that point I hadn't really learned a lot. I'd, yeah. I'd sort of learned the technical side of, of what I was doing. Yeah. I hadn't learned anything about management to that point. As I think in it's leading fair to say. people. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that was probably where – a beginning of or an awareness of of management and what that meant came into into my psyche. Um, yeah. and started thinking more actively about what am I trying to achieve and how am I trying to achieve that. Um so that was that was, you know, and back then as well, I mean, there wasn't training courses or, yeah. you know, as much stuff as I think is available today. Certainly wasn't an awareness of yeah. it. I mean, at that point it was still very much um you know, do as I say, it was quite hierarchical. Yeah. You know, we still had a general manager who, you know, would inspect your polish shoes and, you know, would line you up. And, you know, it was a very different environment to where mm-hmm. we are probably 16, 17 years yeah.
1: later. I remember, uh, it's funny because you just triggered something in my head. I remember I went similar process where a leader of mine turned around and says said to me, Dan, if you're ever going to make it in this world, uh, in in a leadership role, it's not about the I, it's about the we, mm. right? So remove the word, I did this, I did that, and bring in the words, we did this, Yeah, you know, we have the idea. And, and be inclusive with your language more is probably what he was saying. Be very inclusive with your language as opposed to I'm the person that is the best, so yeah. to speak, which is was a big learning curve for me.
0: Yeah, I think I I'd, I'd probably at some point, um, maybe overcompensated after that, yeah. you know, as <laughs> yeah, well. Because I, then I went, went sort of completely the other way. and yeah, I, I was everybody's best mate. Yeah, and you know, I was having beers with the guys after work. Yeah. and, you know, and then so that the, then becomes a problem, doesn't and it? And then you've got the other side of that yeah. as well. So I think from a hospitality career point of view, it is a very social environment. Um, you do have a <clears> wide range of people that you're working with all the time. Um, from you know the back of house guys, the front of house guys, uni yeah. students, professionals, yeah. you know mum on the weekends. Yeah. So you, with alcohol readily available at any drop of the hat, and boys <laughs> and girls in yeah. that environment, yeah, I mean yeah. it's it's yeah. it's it, there's a lot of pitfalls or you know um, red flags that can go up in that yeah. sort of environment. But you know, I guess over time you you, you find your way through that, um, and that's what I think where I really started also building that strong relationship with my direct managers. Mm. You know, I think every job I've had from that point on, it's always been about having that strong rapport with my direct manager mm-hmm. um, and getting that feedback um, and then in turn trying to be, you know, that person, yeah. you know, for, for the people I'm working with uh, as well. So, no, Stanford was, Stanford was great. I learned a lot there. Um, uh, I grew up a little bit there. You know, I got <laughs> – uh, got uh, uh, engaged for the first time there as well. So, was things happening in my personal life. Bought my yeah. first house there, you know. yeah, um, Things were, were you know, coming along pretty well. That was the, um, yeah, the stepping point or stepping stone for you. Yeah, to I think I got to, sort thing. of 25. I went overseas for the first time at 25, oh, you, you know, um, which, you know, sort of sounds silly now. I'd sort of look at my daughters and they've been overseas countless times, mm. you know. It was, again, it's probably just one of those. I reckon I was exchanges. around the same age. Yeah. Reckon,
1: in fact, I reckon I was married. Yeah. And the foot fir- was the honeymoon was the first time I'd ever been overseas. Right? It's unreal, isn't it? Yeah. Like,
0: it yeah well my uh, my first wife, she, uh, she was from Scotland. Okay. So that was the reason to go overseas and I hadn't got a passport to that point. You know. <laughs> yeah. Here's this woman I've met who's come, you know, from the other side of the world, you yeah. know, she's working for Santos, she's accomplished, she's fabulous, you know. Um and again, I think from a personal point of view it also straightened me up a bit. Yeah. You know, because I, was, I wasn't out every night with the guys from yeah, work yeah. and I had a you know, I had for the first time probably a, a work life balance yep as opposed to pre that it was all work it was and all social work. and yep. and fantastic yep but you know you can only do that for so long as well yeah absolutely
1: you, you all of a sudden have someone else to care about and think about right. in your decisions absolutely
0: hmm. um so yeah so after the grant, I went to Sky City uh, which was which was great uh, learning about casinos um so definitely moving up in the world like from a
1: branding point of view you can see the trajectory there can't you
0: and, and I think that was important to me as yeah. well. That every every time I moved, it was for an opportunity and to yeah. go up in the in my career. And to that point, I'd spent at uh, the Lakes, the Hotel to Adelaide, and the Grand. I'd spent more or less three years at each venue. Yep. Um, so then going to Sky City Casino was was outstanding. And the um, my direct boss there
1: in food and beverages. Uh, in food and beverages, yeah.
0: yeah so food and beverage manager at Sky City. Um, my direct boss there had spent before I even started actually had engaged me uh, um, uh, an organised organizational psychologist. And okay. um, I had about six sessions with him. Yeah, great. About how to come into the casino. Yeah. Um, and I think he was aware. Um, you know, by that time i you know, I knew people around town. Um mm. you start getting a reputation for, you know, being, you know, either good at your job, partying too much, you know, it's an Adelaide yeah, town, yeah. right? So there's always a, a reputation that, that that's there. So Jason was great because he wanted me to start in the company in the right way. Yeah. And invested that time um, in me to learn about and we spoke a lot about how to ask how to build rapport how to you know um i got taught that sort of tactic called playful curiosity mm-hmm. you know how to ask somebody a, a question without being condescending yep. or yep. Um, things like that so for me that so was, can you
1: give us an example of that if, if you still uh, remember
0: yeah look it was just little things like if if i walked into a bar and i saw something asking somebody like oh why do we do it that way or you know can you t- can you tell me why we do it that way so i know you know, for next ha- time, yeah. yeah. How do we do things around here? Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm the outsider coming into yeah this environment. How do we do things around here? Can you help me come up to speed with with that? Yeah, yeah. So you um, come
1: come at it from a point of curiosity.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was, it was pretty useful, uh, and yeah, I still use so, that. You know, yeah, probably not consciously so much anymore, but um, always yeah, it makes to ask questions. And
1: people uh, are more willing to help. Yeah, as opposed to uh, I actually learned something from the same sort of you know org cycle. If you go in um, with a, even from a leadership position, if you say, can you, uh, please do this for me, people are kind of going to be put off a little bit with that comment as opposed to, hey, I need some help with this. Can you help me out? The word help triggers something in everyone's, (laughs) in everything. So from an influence point of view and a leadership point of view. It's just a softer approach. Absolutely. I
0: couldn't agree more. Um, It was a big place to go why not you had to get your head around i had to get my head around a casino environment yeah. and what that business is completely yeah. different to hotels yeah um you would you have know, seen some
1: some strange and amazing stuff all in in one place
0: yeah you. absolutely you know it's you know when you're seeing players play you know and at sky city um compared to when i worked for crown was smaller i think mm. you know it's more of a boutique casino operation yeah, yeah. um but you know it's the first time you've seen people playing for ten thousand dollars a hand you know yeah. it's like it's a lot of money going yeah. through this place, yeah. Um, but really, in a lot of ways, it was no different to the Grand as well. I loved the team, um, loved learning the business, um, got a lot of support from the senior management and the CEO there as well, um, and still have a lot of friends out of out of uh, Sky City as when, well as the Grand.
1: When you transitioned from the Grand to Sky City, did you take on those learnings that you had previously about and trying to find that right level of social uh, aspect with you, the people that who work under you compared to actually Becoming their friend and all that sort of stuff. How did you manage that?
0: Yeah, it was it was quite different um, from from the grand because grand was a lot more of a a, a social party environment yeah. um, just by the nature of the business. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, big functions environment. You mm-hmm. know, the, everyone. You know, who's listening's been to the front bar of the grand. You know, yeah, <laughs> so. Yeah. um Absolutely. You know that that was very different. Where Sky City was a lot more professional. You know, we we you know twenty four hour surveillance. You know, um, inspectors there all yeah, the time, yeah. um, and it, and it did help. I guess separate me out. A little bit from being one of the one of the team mm-hmm. to you know you start filling that role um, while built having that rapport, but that was probably the first time there was some sort of separation between my you know my home life and my work life, yep. and um, that was probably healthy for me. So you're
1: becoming more uh, experienced in your own nature as well, and a little bit more confident,
0: mm. um, but um, confident within yourself, yeah. not overtly confident or yeah. you know and you know you always try to manage you know the ego or the perception of arrogance and sometimes that's hard as well people perceive you how they see you at yeah. that moment yeah. um if they don't have much um, contact with you what they see becomes their reality yeah um and i think that as i've gone through my career that becomes the harder thing to try to manage because you get less time with people mm. so you, the snapshots that they get of you or what they hear of of you around the lunchroom becomes their reality whereas mm. when you're yeah. Uh, you know, you're more involved and closer to the business, people see you a lot more. Yeah. So they can sort of aggregate, you know, yeah. their their views of you over a period of time. So the case
1: of action speak louder than words, is that what you're saying here or is it
0: just the whole package? I think you here at the Oval, I think. Well, in general, I, I from a behavioural. Of- well, I think it's both um, but I think um, – you get less time to explain your rationale and yeah. communicate it you yeah. know um, when when the business gets as you know keeps getting bigger it's and bigger, bigger around yeah. you, so going from Sky city to Outrigger overseas mm-hmm. was great when we worked in Fiji for a couple of years uh, um, which was awesome um, had a first child at that time as well, which is great uh, born here but came straight out to Fiji yeah, okay. um, yeah. uh, there so uh, Fiji health system isn't isn't probably what you'd uh, or, well, it's, is what you would imagine really <laughs> yeah um, <Probably> not <laughs> up to the standard of. Good old no. Um, so yeah, no. Uh, yeah, Rosie came out there and that was great. Um, did a couple of years in Fiji. That was a complete inversion from what I'd learned in Australia because mm. you know we're learning here to as management to communicate and to give the why and to bring everyone on the journey. When I went to Fiji, this team were just tell me what to do, boss, and I'll do it. You know, it's yeah, okay. they don't they don't care why. You know, mm. it's you just tell me what to do and we'll do it and we'll get to the end of the day. A worker bee mentality. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was interesting. I had to mm. learn a lot there um uh, I've got some good advice in Fiji about you know not living in the hotel so I lived in the community and engaged in the community mm-hmm. uh, which was which was good um, a, a very um great time of my life you know and you do when you came when I came back to Australia you sort of feel a little bit you're, you're quite humble mm. because you've been in that environment with very humble beautiful people mm. you know and um, has a calming effect over you it, it does and it, you do get a better sense of what's important in life mm. and you come back to Australia and you swear that you're never going to get back to how you were and then you join the rat race again. Yeah. And over time, you sort of come back up to, you know, I suppose the corporate Australian mindset mm. as opposed to the Fiji so why, mindset. Why,
1: why do you think it is such a different mentality?
0: Uh It's – I think that, you know, it's just – it's a cultural thing. Mm. You know, Fiji's, you know – quite an interesting country in a lot of ways. You've got a very strong Indo population that were brought out there by the British. Yeah. Um, and when the British left, a lot of the leases went to the the, the Indo uh, yeah. population. You've got the native Vegans who are still very village orientated, you know, very, you know, everything goes into the communal pot, yeah. um, so to speak. Um, so there's a bit of friction there you know, between the, those, those two cultures. Um, but, you know, it's just, the 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 Fijians are all about family. Yeah, you know, and you know they they feel very rich for for the, for the things they've got in their life. They're very grateful, very religious people as well. Yeah. Um, so they they're, they're a good influence. I
1: think you nailed it though. There's this rat race that goes on here in in corporate Australia that. Uh it's hard to break out of sometimes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, <laughs> when I went from you know went from VG to working for Crown Casino. Yeah. You know that's uh, you know that's as chalk as cheese as you get yeah. really in a lot of ways. Um, there I mean Crown is a fabulous op- uh, organization. I, I really enjoyed working for them. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it is a dog eat dog. Yeah. High performing. Where were you based? Uh, in Perth. In Perth. Yeah. So, um, you know, and that was you know that was my first experience to capital development in yep. a big way in yep. in organizations. So. Uh, uh, James Packard bought Verswood. Um, he was in the process of converting it to Crown Perth. Um, so it was a big, um, capital project, yep. uh, program going through.
1: So you were in food and beverage again? Food and beverage yep. again. Yeah. Yep.
0: Um, yeah, food and beverage manager there. Yep. Um, but it's a big op- operation. Yeah. About four a... and a half thousand staff there. Just can of imagine um, the amount of moving parts. Yeah. So we had three, three general managers, uh, yeah. uh sorry, three food and beverage managers there. Um, underneath the general manager of food and beverage yeah, okay. um, there. So uh, we all had portfolios mm. to work through. So, yeah, no, it was a good time. Learned a lot again. Um, and probably, you know, through your career as well, the same people keep popping up. Mm. So by the time I got to Perth, um, there was a guy by the name of Richard Callender who was the gaming general manager at Sky City. He'd then gone to Perth as the COO of gaming. Yep. So when I got to Perth, you know, I spoke to, to Richard, hey, I'm in Perth, any opportunities? He made some introductions. You win the job on your own merits and then you have to be able to do the job. Yeah. But those relationships are- Gets
1: your foot in the door. It gets
0: your name right? to the top of the list. Um. Oh, the,
1: the power of networking-
0: Yeah. is unbelievable. And that pay it forward. Yeah. And, and I've always tried to do that for as many people as I can. Yeah. I'm always happy to help or make introductions. Yeah. People have to get their own- you know, Oh, absolutely. You know, find their own relationships and their own merits but- um, it can be the simplest thing you can do for somebody can change their life, you know. And Correct. so many people have done that for me over the journey um, as well. So why well, as little as just an introduction? Yeah, you know, it's ten seconds, and yeah, Absolutely. it can have a big impact. So, well, um, it,
1: it works. Like you said, it pays from a pay it forward point of view. It works so much more in your favor than treating someone like shit. Like it just oh. doesn't make – why would you ever go down that path of treating people? You, yeah. Anyway.
0: Well, that's the thing. I mean you don't have to seek out conflict, mm. you know. you know, There will be people that you just don't get along with, yeah, you know, or, or you grade each other the wrong way and, you know. So, you know, the people that you like, <laughs> you know, or that, you know, you can help, why would you not want to mm. do that? It, it, it seems crazy to me. Yeah. Um, well, so, yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, but then, you know, that's where um, – uh, then I uh, – so Mel and I separated so my first wife mm-hmm. and um, Mel wanted to come back to Adelaide um, and uh, do that and that's what brought me back to Adelaide. Um, so again, you know, just how things serendipitously work out sometimes. So I, um, I'd i put my name down for SACA membership mm-hmm. um, and in 2010 when the Western Grandstand was built, they mm-hmm. had a big influx of, of members. My name was amongst that and I had one game to come to in Adelaide. Um, yes. I haven't been Adelaide um just to sort of see family, see my daughter, yep. um, start thinking about how to come back to Adelaide. And um, at that time, Craig Brooks was the HR manager at SACA and uh, he'd been my HR manager at Stanford Grand. Okay. So I ran into Brooks here at the back of the Western Grandstand, chatting, you know, I'm looking to come back to Adelaide. Um, he said, oh, funny you should say that. We're looking for somebody to, you know, come in hospitality uh, for the new Western Grandstand, build a functions business. Um, so I again, applied, went through the process. Um, Bronnie Cly who's now. So again, network, right? Oh, 100%. And just dumb luck. Yeah. You know, running into the right person, right time. Um, yeah. Bronnie Clyde, who's now CEO of Netball, um mm-hmm. SA, um, I applied. She was the, the hiring GM and uh, yeah, she hired me and, and brought me to Adelaide Oval. Really? Uh, so 10 years ago. Ten years ago. Yeah. And, it,
1: and so you were running
0: a different department then? In,
1: yeah, in so,
0: yeah, so it was an interesting time. So I...
1: for everyone to understand, SACR is South Australian Cricket Association. Yeah, sorry.
0: Yep, yeah. yep. Um, so it was an interesting time. Uh, I, uh, John Harden, um, who I'd never heard of, truth be told, uh, was the CEO um, of, of the Cricket Association then. Um, and really the at that time in was that – Early 2011, it was all about getting the SACA members to vote in favour of the Adelaide Oval redevelopment. Mm. Um, so, um, you know, I think a lot of the listeners would have been around that time. Yeah. You know, it required a, a, I think it was a 75% yes vote from the members to do that. Um, Ian McLaughlin was the was the president of SACA. Um, those guys worked so hard uh, to get that vote across the line, and and they did. Yeah. The the biggest win. Thankfully, they thankfully, did. right. Um, we're put, sitting
1: here now, crows. Are out there training. <laughs> the stadium looks amazing. It was, Although they, there is that hill though. I'll still. I'm going to ask you about that. Sure, anyway. <laughs> but keep you keep going anyway. <laughs> well,
0: it, it was interesting. So the boat went up at Wavell Showgrounds. That was yeah. kind of the the night to, yeah. to cast the votes, and um and that was bittersweet because as part of the deal, um. SACA and Sample, so the Footy Association, would come together, create a new entity to run the Oval, yep. which meant as the head of hospitality, I was out of a job yeah, because yeah. that would be handed over to the to the Stadium Management yep. Authority. Um, so it was a bit bittersweet yeah. but um, also it was an opportunity yep. um, and Really at that time as well, the the development, um, the the plans, the design work, all that sort of stuff was happening in the background mm-hmm. as well. And I got a, a, a unique opportunity to, to spend some time with the architects and the project management team and um, give my 10 cents on, you know, what I thought might work or might not work. Um, I worked very closely with a, a guy by the name of Justin Cabinet, mm-hmm. um, who at that time effectively was my counterpart within um, Sample. Yeah. Yeah. Um, fantastic guy. Um, He's gone on to be the head of um, Delaware Sports for Australia now. Um, Great operator, good Port Adelaide man. Um, Contrary to what people might have thought looking from the outside (laughs) in, we got along fantastic. that's a contradiction (laughs) itself, isn't it? Good Port Adelaide man doesn't work that way, does it? There's a a few of us. There's a few of us. So, uh, yeah, so so it was interesting. So I I really started sort of falling in love with what was hopefully going to get built um, as well and uh, long story short, the boat went through, the SMA came together, they started construction. Um, I threw my hat in a ring um, to to uh, um, come to work for the new stadium. Um, uh, Andrew Daniels had been appointed as Chief Executive Officer, mm-hmm. um, who I didn't know at all previous to that. Um, and I met Andrew once or twice, um, really through the process. Yep. Um, Where course- was he before that? Uh, so Andrew uh, has had a great career in events. He uh, previous to coming to Adelaide Oval, he was with Motor Accident Commission, okay. CEO there. Yeah. Um, previous to that, he was the um, first CEO of the um, Clipsal 500. Okay. Um, so um, and spent yep. time in events. Bit of experience, yeah, yeah. Events. Um, spent some time. He's still at, CEO. Yep, still, Just here. For yep still my boss. for the yep. people who are listening. yes. <laughs> yep, still my boss. Uh, I think it's eight eight years later now. Yeah. actually, I've been working with Andrew. It's been great. Be getting sick again, yeah. Sorry, he'd be getting a bit you now, wouldn't he? Or? Oh, I think no, it's no? fair to say I've tested him <laughs> over the journey on 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 a few things. Not not deliberately, but you know, again, it comes back to having a um you know having a manager that believes in you. Yeah. Um, as well, and is willing to to help guide you and and mentor you and um be patient with you as well. Yeah. Um, and you know, let you make mistakes. Hmm. I think that's the. That's one of the things I've I've really appreciated about working with Andrew is he lets you have a go. Mm. We'll, we'll make sure and test your your thought process, your planning, your you know what you're trying to achieve. But once once there's alignment there, then yeah, let's let's do it. Let's give it a go. Yeah, very entrepreneurial, um, Great. which I think it's is much needed. Oh, uh, it, it's just a word that you know I think describes Andrew. You know, he's just he wants to build. He's he's probably the most passionate South Australian I, I think of. Ever come across, and yeah. you know, there's a lot of passion at South Australians we all are. Hmm. Um, but, but Andrew's desire to to make sure Adelaide Oval's you know best in the world um, and continue its development has been unreal. He's doing a pretty good job. Absolutely, yeah.
1: As are you. Let's not discount.
0: Well, he's, Andrew. Um, Andrew. Um, so when I came here, the, um, Andrew put a team of three together, and he's executive. So there was um, Darren Chandler, who's mm-hmm. now gone on to SANFL, yep. um, Tommy Pavic um, in um, uh, in finance, and uh, and me. So. Um, really as as a group or an executive, we've been together through the pre-opening the opening um, many projects since then as well and yeah. uh, it was only last year when Darren went across to Sample and still part of the family yeah um but uh you know we've I think that having that stability has been beneficial for for their low. LA
1: what does um, your role here look like? You know, COO of Adelaide Oval, the number one entertainment, well, one of the most um, glorious entertainment precincts in South, in South Australia. Yeah. There's so much happening from the Sandville to the cricket to just concerts, entertainment to boardroom. People hire out, uh, they come here to hire out uh, for conferences and so much
0: moving, so many moving parts. What does your day look like? Yeah, it's a good question, and, and it's evolved recently. So I've only been in this role now for seven or eight months. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's fair to say I'm still learning learning, yep. learning, learning, what this role is and, mm-hmm. and what my, um, how to best um, execute the role to mm-hmm. get the most out of it. Um, having come through, I guess, the hospitality and, and development side of the organisation prior to that, um, I know the building intrinsically. I know yeah. the business um, intrinsically, um, which I guess is just a benefit of being here since day dot yeah. um, in that. Um, now my role really is, um, about supporting our general management group. Um, so we've just coming out of COVID, um, we've, uh, and Darren going across the sample. we've had an opportunity to look at our organizational structure, um, mm-hmm. to get a structure that's going to meet our future needs. Yep. Um, and it's going to be a very different world moving forward. Um, so most of my role is, um, well, a lot of my role is internal facing, mm-hmm. uh, working with the general management group, um, as they build their new teams and, um, you know, Try to understand what is adelaide oval post-covid look mm-hmm. like um, as well um spent a lot of my time with andrew supporting uh, him um as well and uh, uh make sure that he's got the information that he needs uh, to make decisions um obviously uh, at this level there's a high level of, uh, board engagement as well yep. um there um, externally um i've got a lot of stakeholders where i guess on the primary contact so yep. whether it's um uh you know CA or AFL, um SA health um got to know SA health very well over the last yeah. few years as uh as you as you may imagine um so really it's it's really quite a conduit role in yeah. a lot of ways um uh, still working it out if, mm. being being honest yeah. um, as well it, for me it's, we all? i've got, <laughs> I, I, i've had a career of sort of 25 years in hospitality yeah. which i knew very very well yeah. what does uh moving into a a COO role in an organization look like it's a completely different mm. mindset uh, yeah. to take to that as well. Um, we've got a very talented um, general manager of hospitality now. Who mm-hmm. you know, it's his it's his organi- it's his part of the organization to run and yep. uh, uh, try to support him without stepping on his toes. Mm. Um, you know, it's just um, fortunately he's very talented, so yeah. you know it's not too hard. Thanks but office, yeah. you know, I, I think for me, it's I'm forward facing. Yeah. You know, now and you know the the skills and the the career and experience I've had within hospitality are, will always be there. But now it's how can I be a better, more effective leader in the organisation? Yeah,
1: and you've you'd be the number one most sought after man from a tickets perspective, wouldn't you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, I think you always know if it's going to be a good game or a bad game, <laughs> depending on how many uh, times you how many times you get requests for tickets. So, um, yeah, no, nah, look, it's uh, you know they they they're the um, fortunately we've got such a great membership base here yeah. um, as well. So I think most people are pretty sort of tickets. They uh, are.
1: Yeah. What are the perks
0: of, of working here at Adelaide Oval? Well, the view is one. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a fabulous place to come and work. Um, you know, I'm lucky enough to live in North Adelaide as well. So um, for me, it's it's kind of all in the 5006 postcode. Yeah, um, One of those non-NIMBY North Adelaide people, yeah. you know, I'm all for development. Yeah. Was that part of your thing? You know, you... Put out the PO box, Stanic
1: Glenelg. Did you do the same thing here? Move into North Adelaide.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I've, I've always liked to live close to work. Yeah. I, I think you spend a lot of time. You know, otherwise you're wasting a lot of time commuting. Yeah. Um, so for me, you know, it's been it's been good. I like the like the area. Um, uh, yeah. Um, as far as the perks go. Look, we're at every event mm-hmm. uh, here, definitely. I think I get to meet a lot of people. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you are forever networking and learning or um, you're out in the environment a lot. Um, part of that's, um, you know, that's where the opportunities are. Mm-hmm. You know, opportunities don't come to your doorstep. Yeah. You know, you, you have to go out and, and get Absolutely. them. Um, I've been fortunate enough to, to travel uh, a little bit domestically and uh, attend a couple of international conferences as well and, okay. and learn and um I uh, lucky enough to go through a lot of the stadiums in the States and get to know some of the guys over there as well. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of, um, I guess, their they're perks, you know, I- that's how I look at them. I'm yeah. very grateful for those opportunities. You know, you learn a lot. Yeah. Um. But in saying that, it's what you bring back to the business. You know, and what have you learned, and how can you apply it. And I think the the roof climb here is a great example. You know, Andrew attended a conference in Europe. You know, he saw that there was a roof climb in mm. Ireland. I think it was. Yeah. Came back to Adelaide Oval and said, "Right, guys, this is this is what we're doing." you yeah. know, And. Uh, a couple of years later, that business is flying, yeah. you know, as well. I'm so, booked in in
1: a couple of. Uh, or I
0: know I've booked in at some point. My wife bought it for my birthday not long ago. So uh, you're okay with heights?
1: No, okay, I'm great. Horrible with heights. Let me I know think, when you're doing I, it. <laughs> I think I um, when as I opened the 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 voucher, I almost I think I, there was a couple of expletives that came. <laughs> <laughs> Your palms getting sweaty and <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So, the, moving from the perks to the challenges, last year obviously you, uh, Adelaide Oval was was decimated. We all know why. Obviously, the crowds and and, and the like, and entertainment industry in itself uh, decimated. How did you and the team manage and decipher your way through that whole process of of the COVID two thousand and twenty?
0: Yeah, it was an interesting time. For, I sort of take my mind back to sort of late February, early March last year. Um, you know, you'd started hearing the rumblings of this pandemic and, and what would it be? And um, uh, Andrew was, um, you know, very um, stoic through that period. He's yeah. like, "Let's we, we can only deal with the facts. You know, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, but as the facts started leading towards, you know, the seriousness of the situation mm. and then uh, we'd started getting some early rumblings around potential closures and things like that. Um, that's really just where you go into crisis mode. You yeah. know, to be honest with you, you um uh, Andrew, I remember it was a Sunday, um got the three of us, so Darren, Tommy and myself on the phone and he said, right, this is you know, this is happening now it's and this is what it's gonna look like. So um, you know, we'll straight into to work and start working on on the plans. And whenever you're making a decision that's gonna affect um people's lives, I think they're the decisions you take most seriously. Mm. You know, it's you've you've got two hats to wear. You know, one is you've got to do the right thing by the company because the company has to. The company itself has to be able to survive that period. Um, But then the reality is there's there's human carnage on the other side of of those decisions sometimes. Um, And the thing was that we didn't know how long this was going to last, as well. And I think that's one of the the things I took out of COVID was it wasn't like we've got a crisis for two weeks or a month or this could have been you know, yeah, yeah. days to weeks to years. So not knowing that how long you were having to hunker down for was, was, was a big thing. Um, Andrew led the organization extremely well through that. There was a lot of stakeholder engagement, a lot of communication with the board, um, a lot of communication with the staff. So there's a lot of um, zoom uh, cameras to yeah. staff. Um, the decision ultimately had to be made um, to stand the organization down. Yeah. Um, like a lot of organizations, that was very challenging. Um, So, really, you've you've just got so many stakeholder groups again um, and you've got to just keep, you know, you can't just sort of deal with one and then set and forget because you have to keep coming back through them. So, you know, there was certainly the staff uh, consideration. There was the security of the venue. Uh, We had to close the venue down. So, we just stopped all the shelves. Um, I think people might remember there was a Crow-Sydney game, I think, which was held with nobody in the stadium. And then I think it all went shut down, shut down after that. Um, You know, so we've had probably half a million dollars worth of stock out on the shelves and you know your equipment's all fired up and things like that so in shutting it all down you have to decommission the venue you know you can't just turn the fridges off you know so uh we then had to you know have a working party to which i think was about 12 15 people at that time to stay with the stadium so we could shut down the stadium
1: how how um how many
0: employees are there or at that, were at that time that you had to stand out. Yeah, so we probably had uh, in the range of two hundred and twenty to two hundred and forty full time yeah, wow. uh, people, and then twelve hundred um, casual uh, wow. team members. Of which, that so twelve hundred, there might be another two hundred which are casual, full time, or part time equivalents as well. You so know, where, where they you know where they are? there are you know main source of employment.
1: So you've gone from you know one to thousand, two, two thousand people down to
0: twelve. Pretty much, yeah. We had. Uh, so we had that that small team to help shut the venue down, mm. which probably took two two or three weeks. Mm. Um, we had a team of um, security for to maintain twenty four hour security of the asset. Yep. Um, there was the four executives, a couple of people out of um, uh, finance, uh, and that was about it. I think you were one of them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I worked through. Yeah, uh, that, I, that I remember
1: having a couple of conversations with you during last year, and yeah. I I think I I distinctly remember getting off the phone with you and thinking to myself, well, I would hate to be in your position right now. The amount of, um, I don't know, just the kind of the where you were, where you were at in your head at that time.
0: I think we were, we benefited from having a, 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 a tight knit executive. Yeah. So I don't think it was, it was all on Andrew's shoulders. As yeah. a CEO, he, he, he takes absolute responsibility for the organization, but I think having that, um, small, tight executive did help. Mm. Um, no doubt about that. Um, I mean, at that time as well, remember, we were building a hotel. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. So. <laughs>
0: that was going to be one of my
1: next questions. In amongst all this, yeah. there's this beautiful brand spanking hotel coming up. So, money's still going out because the construction industry didn't shut down, did it? So. Well, and,
0: and even that was, you know, touch and go. We didn't know what would happen there, mm. um, what materials were coming from overseas. Um, you know, it was it was pretty nerve-wracking. This was March and we were due to open September um, there. But uh, – you know, we had to. Fortunately, the builders were able to continue building. Yeah. Um, so that was that was a blessing.
1: Um, what What did it look like in the executive room when you guys were chatting at that point? Like, where was everyone's heads at?
0: What was the you, main focus? I think it's hard to say you have one focus. Mm-hmm. I think that the the I'd say two key focuses were one was the staff group, mm-hmm. you know, and what could we do there. There was no job keeper at that point. No. You know, so nobody knew. You know that was coming over the horizon. So that was a really nerve-wracking time. Um, And then the other one was the solvency of the company. Mm, You know, how long can we um, stay solvent for uh, at that point? Again, the shutdown was here, but, you know, the and credit to the government at all levels Mm. in every jurisdiction um, and every health department. And I know that it's easy to be critical in hindsight, but um, I think they all did a a fabulous job. You know, JobKeeper came relatively quickly. Um, Certain, um, uh, you know, Packages came to help businesses and so forth. Um, so I think they moved, they moved very quickly. What was
1: then. the conversation with your team like at that time? How, did, how was it taken? How was it
0: received? Well, at that time, it wasn't probably too bad. Mm. Uh, there was a lot of fear, of course, mm. but I guess that fear was shared by everybody mm. um, because when the whole state gets shut down and everybody's in the same boat, um, more or less, um, you know, it's a little bit easier mm. uh, in that in that situation. It doesn't feel like it's happening just to me. Mm. I think that later it got harder because as we were having to then look at, right, who could we stand back up? Um, did we need to take pay cuts? Um, did we Could we afford everybody that had been stood down to come back into the organisation, mm. what the organisation looked like? Um, could we get games of football back up and running? Mm. Um, you know, that's where a lot more challenges, uh, I think, face. In the immediacy of the, the crisis beginning, it's – Just communication, you know, everything we know, you'll know. Um, We'll make sure that we've got some lines of credit open to us. We'll get from one day to the next, you know, we'll keep engagement with the government. It's those months between probably April, May, June, probably early July that they're ones we start thinking about, right, once this is over, how are we going to look? Yeah. What are our revenue streams going to be? You know, will we be able to get football back up here? You, know, you remember our one of our core products is you know 50,000 people in the, the venue shoulder to shoulder you know screaming and you know shouting yeah. and um, that's not really the environment that health departments you know love at the moment yeah. you know as well so that's where the work really began with um, all our stakeholders um, SA Health um, to make say right how do we start finding way out of this and Having that first showdown match of uh, two thousand people here, um, first stadium event in the country coming mm. out of COVID, mm. um, was was so powerful. And and again, Andrew um, and Darren Chandler did so much work on that. That was their absolute focus. Yeah. How do we get revenue back into the out of the business? Yeah. What What do we have to do to um, start rebuilding confidence? Yeah. Um, in our product uh, as well. So because the
1: stadiums don't get any revenue from the TV rights and stuff like that, do they? It's
0: yeah, no, the, I think the best way of looking at Adelaide Oval um, is that we're 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 a hall for hire. Yeah. So when the Crows play, the Crows come and hire Adelaide Oval, and yeah. they you know they put stuff on the ribbon boards, the advertising, yep. Yep. Um, all that sort of stuff. Um, and then when cricket come, they bring yep. uh, there. So um, typically, the clubs or the venue hirer, uh, whether it's a concert promoter or the sports, they'll yep. pay for things like security, the ushers, cleaning. Yep. You know, they'll give the hall back to us the way they found it. Uh, so to speak, Um, what the stadium does is um, the food and beverage, um, car parking, some ancillary, um, cost recoveries um, and things like that. So from a business point of view, it's quite interesting because you've got 35 days a year where you've got a product to sell, i.e. football, cricket or a concert. Mm -hmm. Then you've got 320-odd days a year where how else do you fill the – how how do you create revenue streams? Um, And that's really been, I guess, our eight-year journey now is to fill in those other 320 – uh, days, days a year, yeah. you know, to to deliver a stadium for fifty thousand people, you need a good base level of you know employment IP. You need to know how to do yeah. that, but then that's one day a week.
2: Hmm.
0: Um, so we've been very lucky to build a range of businesses um, out of out of the Adelaide Way set.
1: It's being you're being
0: very innovative, and that you're thinking outside of the box, aren't you? With the roof
1: climb being one of those things the new hotel all these other ways of bringing revenue in is i've always been interested is there a ceiling to how much the oval can the revenue that it can turn over you you know you talk about footballs cricket Mm.
0: they're always going to get
1: first preference
0: aren't they absolutely that's that's our core i mean that's why we exist (laughs) yeah um so that gets 100 percent of our attention um there um you know we get you know 22 football matches plus you know finals which is great you get Ten days of cricket, so yeah. a test match and, and a BBL plus finals uh, yeah. as well. We try to get two or three concerts a year mm-hmm. um, here. Um, again, that's you a, got the guns coming we, in. We we do, but yeah. I mean, here layeth another question, you know, because you know ultimately they still have to find a way of coming into the country yeah, well, and filling those dates. So you know that's one of those examples of things that you know in the air. Yeah, um, and I think that's probably been one of the things for us um, coming back out of COVID is your lead times is a lot shorter. Yeah. You know, the AFL is a good example. You we know, we're basically living week to week on what the schedule is going to be mm. um, there as well, which is a necessity for the now, not probably sustainable long term. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's part of doing business post-COVID. What are, moving from
1: the COVID world, what are now, well, I think the COVID world is still going to get embroiled and everything in, in this next question. What are the main challenges moving forward?
0: I think there's a lot of challenges. I think that um, I think that within society and business community generally, there's, there is still a bit of a view of there will be a back to normal, um, and I'm not necessarily confident that there will be a a, a normal which looked like 2019. Mm. I think that we have to go. Well, here's our line in the sand. We had to shut down. And we're going to be looking to build growth back into the business over a number of years now. So we want to see growth. Yeah. We want to see double digit growth. You know, um, coming back out of that over a period of time. Um, some of our businesses, business units have been hit harder than others. Um, so football uh, is back. Uh, that's going pretty well. Nearly back to 100% um, of what it was. Yeah. Um, but our function events business is is still very soft. Okay. You know? So. Give you an idea Adelaide Oval pre COVID would do about 1500 functions a year, mm-hmm. uh, give or take. Um, we're probably at half that at the moment. Okay. Um, and again, that business is still is nerve wracking. Be- is
1: that because many of those businesses went out of business uh, during that time or in the uh, entertainment industry, for example?
0: Yeah, look, from a functions point of view, I think it's just there's still a bit of nerve. Nerves around, mm. you know, will there be a shutdown? Can we bring, can we get people to travel around the country? Yeah. You know, things like that. We've seen a couple of those um, shutdowns in uh, Sydney and Melbourne and that, yeah. you know, where we've had conferences here and people literally get up at a seat and go to the airport to get home, you know. So it's still, it's still a bit nervy oh. um, in that space. You know, I hope that it recovers over time. The vaccine a big part of our future moving forward. You know, yeah. we need to get people vaccinated. Um, we need to get that confidence back into the business sector. No doubt businesses, some businesses have done well through covid um but uh you know for our business you know we because of the nature of it we're 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 a meeting place yeah you know we're we're, we're a social entity as well so we probably feel it a little bit more than most you
1: would it, so that being the biggest challenge getting those other smaller business units up on on, on track what about from a staffing perspective is there obviously trying to sell people to come and work here at Adelaide Oval when it could be shut down at any point yeah. again. is that how, how are you attracting talent and and staff into the world?
0: Yeah, it's a bit of an evolving um, uh, thing at the moment. I, I think since maybe November-ish uh, last year, we sort of started saying well, we're, we're, our doors are open. Probably after that last shutdown in November, oh. we've been very fortunate in South Australia from that point of view. We've seen um, a, a pretty high staff turnover. Um, mm. People have left for all sorts of reasons. Some have um, seen other opportunities come up. Some mm. have um, been a bit nervy about the environment and not wanting to be in such a, a risky area. I, yep. I guess there, um, it's been pretty traumatizing for a lot of people. Mm. Um, you know, there's a bit of fatigue out there. Yeah. Uh, I think you know <laughs> so we've asked fatigue. a lot of people as a as a community and as a business as well. Um, so I think that 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 staff turnover for us is probably one of the first things we want to. Um, arrest you know and and get that confidence um, back into our our team that hey we're here and you know we're as COVID resilient as possible Mm. um, to guard against shutdowns Um, but then when people have left and we've had to go to market to find new people it's pretty challenging out there at the moment Mm. Um, you know it does feel you know that uh, uh, there's not the the depth of candidates out there that you'd like to see um, or or are used to Um, for us not having the uh, international students in Adelaide is a big is a big thing. We yeah. usually have three or four hundred students on our yeah, right. on our on our team, um, and they're just not there at the moment. Um, so then, a lot of jobs are being you know it sort of flows through the the whole organisation, right? So, um, it's it's challenging in the employment space uh, mm. We're no different to that. Um, we've been running games of football here with probably uh, between sixty and seventy shifts that we can't fill. And that has an impact on the customer experience, of course. You know, you might be waiting those few extra minutes for your beer. Team are working very, very hard that we have here, but reality is we just don't have enough hands on the deck. Is it – so, you know, you talked
1: about Fiji going over there and just getting the worker bees. You know, if I was to go on the Adelaide Oval website now, which I have done and I've looked up careers and done a bit of background research – There is no vision or purpose. Why? Why do? Why come and work for Adelaide? I mean, you look outside now, and it's pretty Mm. evident. Mm. It'd be a great place to work. But what is the? What is the offering that is going to is going to appeal?
0: Yeah, we're we're such a broad employer Mm. as as well, and I, I think that you know we've got so many business under our one umbrella mm. as well so we're very broad in that sense you know the, the same type of person that you might want for a tourism business on roof climb is different to a fine dining restaurant person yeah. to a to an usher to you know a hotel uh, attendant as well so um, as a as an organization it's 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 interesting pulling all those different skills together yeah. um, because because how broad we are i think though for for the Oval is we are we are a big entity so there's definite career opportunity here. You yeah. know, if you if you want to come to the oval, learn different uh, parts of the business, um, work hard. It's yeah. it's not for the faint-hearted. You yeah. know, it's a it's a busy, dynamic, you know, big place. Um, it takes you probably ten minutes to walk around the oval. You know. Um, but uh, if you if you want to come here and knuckle down it's a, it's that's full right. of opportunity um, as well and we're a pretty young organization as well you know when you look through the through the whole organization I, I don't know what our average age is but it's it, we're pretty young mm. in a lot of ways as well a lot a lot of uh, apprentices, a lot of trainees um, come through the organization yep. um, that's been a big focus for us.
1: How do you manage with your staff this is probably particularly the forward-facing staff the the ones that see the end. Client, the people who come into the stadium to watch the games. There's a, you know, when alcohol flows and the teams are losing or they're winning and the ego kicks in, and your staff would see if, probably deal with a fair bit of abuse. Um, from that a from that end from some poor, you know, the bogans and the like. But w- how do you ma- how do you manage that?
0: That wasn't a dig at Port Adelaide was it?
1: <laughs> it wasn't dig uh, <laughs> at anyone who watches football, right? Because you, you only need to come to a game. Yeah. I'm I, I look I'm a pretty passionate, I'm a Geelong supporter. So I'm a pretty passionate supporter of football. Yeah. However, I do sit in the grandstand sometimes while yep. I'm watching a game and I go, mm. my my goodness,
0: there's many people can't actually control their emotions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Look, it's it, there's a few there's a few things about that. One is you know Adelaide Oval needs to be a safe place for yeah, everybody, correct? You know, for for families, for our our team, uh, for the players. Um, so there are there are a lot of there's a lot of work that goes into trying to create that safe environment. Mm-hmm. Um, we have um, a fantastic security team. We have a fantastic um, front of house staff who are very proactive yeah. in trying to manage um, or identifying uh, problems there. Uh, we have the one eight hundred tell us number as well, so the pans can, yeah, can yeah. give us a uh, IP um, there as well. There's no doubt that um, sometimes people's behaviour and it's not always our correlated. Granted, there are those times as well, but um, they can't. You know that gets a bit out of control, um, and we'll take effective uh, steps around that. We certainly don't tolerate. Um, antisocial social behaviour at all, no. you know, and uh, pitch invasions are just not on. And, no, um, we're where required. We'll deal with those people and give them long bans. Um, from over, we've had a few this year, unfortunately, so they're just not welcome back. No, uh, that behaviour is not not appropriate. We're fantastically supported by um, South Australia Police. Great, um, they are outstanding. They're here every event day. They work um, very collaboratively with us um, as well. Um, but you know, you think about it as a percentage. Fifty thousand people come. You might have. A handful of dickheads. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day. So the idea is to identify them, evict them. If they go peacefully, then we'll see you next time, champ. Just calm your farm. Yeah. If there's any kind of resistance, then they might spend the night in the, you know, in, in lockup. They might get a, a night over and think about their behaviour. <coughs> um, do you deal with your
1: from a customer experience point of view from your staff? Mm-hmm. How do you manage that? And do you, you know, from an onboarding process, do yeah. they come in and, and you say? Look, you, you're probably going to see some adverse uh, reactions from people and behaviours from people. And, and do you manage that as a resilience piece for them? For example,
0: yeah, there, there's an induction for everybody that comes yeah. on board, and, and we touch on a, a range of topics. Of course, cu- where our customer-facing organisation, and I think anybody who's dealt with the public, you mm. know, understands that it's a you know it's a lucky dip, yeah, sure. You know? right. And it's not because people are good, bad, or indifferent. Some people are just having a bad day, mm. or things get away from them as well. So where possible, you know, we, it's important that our staff feel safe. Mm. I mean, that's our absolute priority. There's no doubt about that. Um, But uh, it's interesting though, you, you say about whether the team's losing or winning. We get our get we get our surveys, uh, sorry, our feedback mm-hmm. every week. And if the home team's had a win, it's amazing how everything's fabulous. Yeah. If the home team's got smashed by ten goals, then you know, every pie was cold, every beer was warm, and you yeah. know, it's <laughs> you know. So there is a little bit of uh, reaction to that. Um, I think, um, though, for feedback, it's important for us to get back to everybody. So yeah. when we get feedback, we we do take it on board. We do get back to every every customer um, where we need to. We'll um, uh, recover that, that that customer. We yeah. might, you know compensate them or you know, we don't want anyone to have a bad experience with Adelaide Oval yeah. and things do occasionally go wrong. We're a big organisation with a lot of moving parts so we accept that. In looking at the feedback though, we always try to categorise it into is it a subjective piece of feedback or is it a systemic problem in our business? Mm. And sometimes you'll get a lot of subjective behaviour which then brings that issue to being systemic or sometimes there's a one-off incident which is immediately systemic. Mm, and yeah. I think that's the balance of management as well, particularly in our sort of industry or hospitality yeah. is – People's opinions are valuable because they're your customers. Yeah. You don't dismiss them. Deal with them. Acknowledge them. Fix them. Recover that customer and, and their faith in your organization. But then don't try to fix something if it's a one-off incident. Yeah. You know, accept that like it. Like the pie happened. was cold. And occasionally it will happen. Yeah. You know, I'd be lying to you if I said, you know, every everything we serve all the time is, is perfect. Yeah. Of course it's not. It's no not. business will. No. We absolutely not strive. Not with the amount of volume that you guys. And I think that our team's doing an amazing job. Yeah. You know, we walk around. There's a lot of quality assurance that goes on to mm. our product. Our director of cuisine is out here is here every match day inspecting, you know, the chips to, you know, the function meals to fine dining restaurant um, there. It,
1: it, is a, it is a very important point to – I mean – no disrespect to Adelaide Oval, you would get a fair bit of feedback, right? Sure. You, would, you would receive, be it constructive, yeah. be it negative. Yeah. yeah. A
0: lot of good feedback, too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm always, I'm always, um, uh, I shouldn't say surprised, but the amount of positive feedback we get is, oh, is, is, is the, is awesome. the best, right? <laughs> the, the, the functions you have, it they're phenomenal. But what, where
1: I'm going with this is where do you draw the line into? what's like not considered as actual feedback and that's just someone complaining compared to actually we need to do something here with this.
0: I think you take each each piece of feedback on merit mm. um, and if you're not in the frame of mind to read feedback, just don't do it at that moment. I think you have to be in a, a place that you're willing to receive it. Yeah. So if you're having a bad day, don't pick up the feedback sheet and look at the feedback, yeah. you know.
1: Because you're just going to sit there and yell Well, at you're it. just
0: going to get defensive. Yeah. Or, and, that's not, and that's not helpful for anybody there um, no. as well. So we have a we have a weekly meeting with all the senior team and we go through it piece by piece. A lot of feedback we get is really valuable for us as well. You know, my seat was broken or this was dirty or something because it's a big place. Yeah. So just getting that, um, that knowledge. Correct. but Then to be able to fix it, go back to that person and say thank you and next time they come, it's fixed. Yeah. That's that's what I think people are looking for mm-hmm. that um, that feedback there. The food thing's a bit interesting though. Just touching on that because you can imagine the amount of meals that we serve here mm-hmm. as well, and we keep a retention sample of every piece of food that gets served here. We freeze it, we catalogue it. So if you get our function here, we've got that meal somewhere in our freezer there. Mm-hmm. So when we get allegations of food poisoning, which you know again that's part of the feedback that comes through. You know, I got food poisoning there. We take those samples, we send them to the lab, we cultivate it, we get a, a lab report, we go back to the customer. Now it's just good business practice anyway yeah. to be able to do that, but I think and you know and touch wood because you know it's not a you know, it's not perfect and it could happen one day. Yeah. Um, but I think that having those structures in the organisation help protect us. Yeah. As well, well that, and give that, us confidence. i never in our even product. thought of that. Um, uh, you're right. You,
1: the food poisoning alone. What were what they actually trying to gain from you if they said? I think thing?
0: that a lot of customers are, It's genuine. Like okay. they, they, they're, not, they're not feeling well. Yeah, and okay. they're doing the right thing. So I don't, it's and, not an. I don't, I, and
1: you, as a business, would want to find out about that absolutely yeah.
0: you know there there's um, i don't want to
1: sell salmonella
0: outbreak oh and a lot of these <laughs> things are reportable as well yeah. so they're mandatory reporting through um, councils and yeah. so forth there but you, you know we want to know you know if mm. there's an issue that we can get on top of it straight away um, and that's no that's no different to the covid plans at the moment mm-hmm. you know we're asking people to qr code we're asking people to download a ticket a ticket seat so if something goes wrong we can best deal with it mm-hmm. um, as well and i think that you know that's an important thing for business. You know, you've got to be able to plan for when things go wrong. You know, you've yeah. to put your hand on your heart and say, we've done everything we can. Like if that event happened, we can deal with it quickly, properly, um, and then investigate what happened and try to uh, avoid yeah. uh, it. How
1: do you manage 30 uh, – because you're not – we're not – are we back to full capacity here yet? 50,000 50, seats. 50,000 yeah, seats. 1,800
0: so, on the hill. So we're – um, yeah, more or less.
1: How do you manage the? You know, when they say QR codes aren't mandatory, and then they come out and say now they are. How do you manage the, uh, the fifty thousand people? Yeah, so
0: so QR codes mandatory for the customer to come into the venue, mm-hmm. and we've got QR codes everywhere. Yeah, we just want them to QR code while they're here. So yep. you do it at the front door, do it at the kiosk while you're waiting, mm. whatever. Just make sure you do it um, here. Helps SA Health tremendously. Correct. Um, and we've had a number of. Um, you know, test run through that. How quickly can we get ticket data through to state control so that they can start a process if required uh, there? And I've got to say that uh, AFL has been fabulous in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people should have a high level of confidence um, that um, heaven forbid something happened here that we would get that shut down very quickly. Yeah, great uh, there. So um, again, you don't want to see that, of course. No, but, but- you have to. Oh. You have to put these uh, mitigations in place. Oh it's the same as doing the old fashioned fire drill you know we've yeah. all done those you know in school you know yeah. since then it's just thinking about probably 50 things that we do fire drills on you know cybersecurity is massive in our world at the moment yeah. as well and you know we're a high profile you know business in in adelaide so the amount of time energy um money that we spend on cybersecurity is um inordinate yeah uh, but if you don't oh, you know it's it you're in more, you're in more trouble yeah
1: I'm interested in the governance perspective of, of having two – is it two owners from the SNFL to the SACA? Yeah. How yep. do you manage your, your daily <laughs> chats with, with with those two who typically in, the, in history, I'm not so sure about now, but in history haven't really seen eye-to-eye eye in many aspects?
0: Well, it's fantastic that, that footy and cricket came together, mm. you know, without that and with the, the state government of the day as well. Yeah. Um, uh, as well. I mean, there's a lot of vision involved in that and a lot of um, uh, compromise uh, to get the deal done. We're a pretty unique governance uh, model from around the world. Um, so, the Adelaide Oval SMA is a private company. Yep. Um, we are owned 50 50 by football and cricket. Um, those two sports effectively share the grass. Um, so, football yeah. from March to October has the right to put content onto the oval, uh, soccer from October through, the, through March. Um, there. Um, so from that point of view, day to day it works very, very well. Um, periodically, they'll have you know views um, of you know what how they would do things or, or or what needs to happen. But it's important to remember the Adelaide Oval itself has an independent board. Yeah. Okay. So that that board um, is there to support management, uh, give us clarity and direction um, uh, around that. We've been very blessed over those eight nine years to have um, three. We're our third chairman now. So we've had Ian McLaughlin, John Olson, and and Kevin Scarce uh, as chairs of of Adelaide Oval. Um, Fantastic um, leaders uh, as well and and great supporters of the business. So, um, you know, like all families and boards and businesses, you know, you'll you'll have things that you you need to talk through, work through. Um, But um, as, I guess, an executive with Adelaide Oval, you know, I feel very supported by the Adelaide Oval board first and foremost um, and have good working relationships with Sacra and Sample day in, day out to not just deliver their sports, but talk about what's in the best interest of Adelaide Oval. And I think that's, you know, it can't be understated how valuable the Adelaide Oval asset is and how much everybody appreciates it that's involved with it one way or another.
1: Yeah. I cast my mind. Like you talk about you worked at West Lakes. I used to live down at Grange. Like West Lakes was a stone throws away from me. And I can't believe we actually were never – we were down there at any point. Like you look at how – how fabulous uh, the stadium is and how it looks now, what it's actually doing from the Adelaide city, you know pre-COVID it was mm-hmm. just revitalizing the precinct all around um yeah what what is the next what does the next five years look like is it is it hard to plan for now in a COVID world?
0: Yeah, I think that for our organisation, uh, for the next uh, little while at least, um, it's really about um, internal consolidation, mm-hmm. uh, make sure that our people are um, supported uh, and have confidence and career paths re-established um, through here. Um, it's about um, bringing all of our business units back to their full capacity yep. um, and creating that demand for all of those products mm-hmm. and um, and also taking a look at those products as well, make sure they're the right products uh, for the world moving forward. Um uh, so whether it's the hotel or functions or you know roof climb, um, the tap house across the river, yep. um, we've just reinvested um, with the zoo up at Monado okay. as well. So they're um, doing their new visitor centre up there. They are. Elaine's busy building a, a whole yeah. new uh, experience. and we've empire had, up there. We've
1: had Elaine on the show. And yeah. She's spoken about that. Isn't she
0: great? It's, it's, uh, oh, she's it's the, just she's an absolute visionary uh, of that business. Star. Superstar,
1: the amount of uh, positive feedback we've received from that podcast. So, if you are listening, go and check that one out. She's just yeah. in a different world. I love it.
0: Absolutely great. And and that's one of the things as well about having those other relationships. You know, we've got contracts up at Monado, so we get to know the zoo yeah. and what they do. So, their what, when, you, are.
1: What, when you say contract, what's Adelaide over got to do with the Zoo? Yep. Yeah, so,
0: we deliver all the hospitality services okay. for Monado. Oh, yeah. uh, so, functions up there, weddings, um, the cafe uh, yeah, there for, for tourists, which is great. Um, Through the tap house across the river, we have a relationship with the arts and the Douglas and Carlo and the guys over there as well. So, you know, in a lot of ways, those businesses are not just great for us, but they're great for the community and and for our organizations to get to know each other and and work collaboratively for betterment of South Australia.
1: So is that part of the Adelaide Oval strategy? Is it you're looking to businesses outside of Adelaide Oval? And, and precincts and, you know, would you look at something like the – I'm not looking for yeah. the next scoop, but yeah. something <laughs> like the High Marsh Stadium or that would bring soccer or the the M B L
0: or, you know, is that something yeah. that you're looking at? Yeah, we did the uh, – we had the contract at Titanium with yeah. the 36ers. We okay. did that for a few years down there uh, before they moved up to the Entertainment Centre. Again, it comes back to, you know, Adelaide Oval working 35 days a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got great human uh, resources here. We have great um, assets that we have here as far as our kitchen production our capabilities yeah. and uh, and our systems um we have all the finance and hr and it supports that you require yeah. so for us to be able to partner with businesses whose core business isn't hospitality um for us it's great for our people yeah we get to um partner with those organizations uh, provide career paths for those organizations uh sorry for our people yep. through those organizations yeah, yeah. um as well so and it diversifies our revenue yeah as well right. you know so you know every dollar that comes into the adelaide oval gets reinvested onto adelaide oval yeah uh, as well so you know in a way where you know it's great when you work for an organization we can see where the the profits of the organization go you know, it goes to the, the upkeep of adelaide oval it goes for the betterment of football and cricket oh. know, in south australia uh we pay an annual um, fee to the state government that then put that money into other sports uh, and the sport and rec fund as well yeah so you know, you it does help you. You know, keeps you very focused and yeah. makes you work hard. You know,
1: you mentioned earlier. Uh, maybe I am looking for a scoop here. You, <laughs> you mentioned earlier that you and Andrew have travelled overseas and look, looking at other stadiums. Is there anything that's caught your eye? Looking at other stadiums, Do you think yeah, we could bring that back, or
0: we could really find a way to introduce that into Adelaide Oval. You know, it's interesting. You go to the States and look at the NFL stadiums and the baseball stadiums, and they're just so, they've just got so much money. Mm. You know, you're talking about billionaires that yeah. own teams and stadiums, and, you know, Dallas Cowboys is a great example of that. Yeah. You know, it's money's not an object. Yeah. You know, so, um, but I think that what we have here is we have a genuine, authentic product. Mm. You know, it's, it's something romantic about, Adelaide Oval, mm-hmm. and and I'm always pleased when we go overseas, just how much people want to talk about Adelaide Oval. Yeah, uh, not just in England or India or you know even in America. You know, they Adelaide Oval stands up there globally. Yeah, uh, in those um, with those stadiums. So um, look, there's there's always things that we'd love to do, um, but you know probably now is not the time to do that. Yeah. We have invested a lot in the Oval over the period of time since we've been here. The the ribbon board upgrade uh, itself, the hotel investment, the roof yeah. climb investment. Um, you know, continue R and M. You know, the stadiums won't be far away from being ten years old. You yeah. know, so what do we need to replace Yeah. Um, as well. So, you know, it's um It's I, a good straight. I wouldn't answer, invest right? in Adelaide <laughs> Oval if I wanted to see a massive return as a as a private investor. But um but uh yeah, I, I think we've got a great product here that um, you know, for now, we do want to make sure that we've got a great team to run it and that we maintain the standard of the product. We don't want to see that Adelaide Oval standard deteriorate. No. You know, that's that's, uh... it, is,
1: it is a beautiful place and you say, I do agree with you when you come in here, it's just something there is this feel about it compared to other stadiums. Like, Is that hill I and mean, that scoreboard, mm-hmm. does that contribute to that feel or do you believe
0: that continuing that stand all the way around would add more value? Uh, Well, firstly, the Adelaide Oval Redevelopment Act um, takes that decision out of our hands, which is great. So, the heritage piece. Yeah, Yeah. and it's not just the heritage piece. I mean, within that, there are things that that shall remain and I'm fully supportive of that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Adelaide Oval will be called Adelaide Oval. It won't become insert Telco Stadium, you know, here. Um, so that's Marvel, important. Uh,
1: Marvel stadium, yeah.
0: um, you know, the um, the grass is is part of that. So we'll maintain the hill um, as is. We've made some safety improvements. You see the paths through there and yeah. some things like that. But the grass will remain. The Morton Bays, the scoreboard. Um, why would you want to change that? No, you know? look,
1: it is, it is fantastic. I think from a stadium capacity point of view, you could add an extra – what, 10,000, 15,000 with the yeah, I,
0: don't, I don't think there's a need for it, to be honest. Okay. I mean, having the occasional sellout is good for your business. Yeah. Um, and mostly you can get a ticket to an event at Adelaide Oval. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there wouldn't be too many people left on the other side of the gate. Mm. Uh, We had 70 odd thousand here for Adele, to give you yeah, an example. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, as I said having a sellout from time to time is good. Um, yeah. But uh, no, I think that that. You know, that really does add to the character of the venue. We're also geographically lucky as well. You Mm. know, we're 600 metres from the train station, you know, so – Which is why it was always the best decision. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Adelaide itself is just – we're blessed. You know, we Mm. have a stadium basically in the city. We've got an airport that's 15 minutes away. Mm. You know, we've got so much here. And I think that's part of what we strive to as well. It's continually attract people to South Australia. Mm not just to come here and conference, but to come to Adelaide and do business here. Mm. Um, and uh, our new partner in MTX at the MTX Club, that is a great example of yeah. that. You know, American-owned IT company setting up in Australia for the first time has come to Adelaide to invest. You know, yeah. has come and invested in the stadium um, as well. Because so, they have a new MTX Club,
2: don't they? Is that, that, it the, yeah. That's
0: right. Yeah. The new MTX Club. I think that speaks volumes yeah. for for what we're doing here. Yeah. You know, to have a uh a texas based it firm want to come to adelaide one and yeah. then want to come to adelaide oval and invest and partner with adelaide oval i think um is pretty good validation of what the team's doing
1: brilliant now we are past that well past the hour mark right okay <laughs> um w- I, we knew that we could just chat for <laughs> afternoon. and we haven't had, you, we haven't had any beers so this, is, this has been brilliant um we generally really like to finish off the the, the podcast with a whole Host of what I call quick fire questions, and sure. never quick fire. Yep. <laughs> so we'll we'll run through them. We're big readers at, at creating synergy. Synergy IQ. Our listeners are big readers and learners, as um, as you can imagine. What are you reading right now?
0: I am reading uh Twelve Rules of Life. Uh, uh, Jordan, of Jordan Peterson. Peterson. I love
1: Jordan Peterson.
0: I do too. Quite a polarizing character. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I'd Taking his politics out of it, maybe I, I just like uh, I quite enjoying the book actually.
1: Well, he's black and white. Like yeah, he,
0: exactly right. Yeah. You know, you know, forgetting you know what people may or may not say about him. He's got mm. a view, and yeah, oh, I agree.
1: Is there a book that you're reading or have read that stands out? So, for those who are looking to progress their career, whether it be in hospitality, whether it be as a leader, just looking to grow their career, is there a book that that helped you along the
0: way? I think. Honestly, to that probably no. I get more from people interactions. Mm-hmm. So I, I sort of didn't come through an academic route in yep. my career, yep. um, so I probably learn more on the job and from yep. talking, and learning um, through my mistakes or mm-hmm. mistakes of others. So, yeah. Did you,
1: is there a course that you did along the way? That, you know, you and we did the ARCD course. We is did. There, That's where we met, is right? A, yeah. Is there a uh, is there something that you could recommend for, for someone that just looking to take the next step? Yeah.
0: For me, I'm mm-hmm. I'm certainly I've circled back to do my MBA. Uh, so yep. I've got. About four months left of that, yeah. um, so I think doing the AICD was really valuable, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and I'm enjoying the MBA experience as mm-hmm. well. I'm learning a lot through that. I think for the me, that just helps me relate better to some of the other business disciplines yeah. to have a bit more of an understanding of the yeah. theory that drives some of their thought processes. Yeah, um, so, so yeah, I'm enjoying that.
1: Brilliant. Do you listen to any other podcasts or any or or anything like that?
0: Uh, I do listen to one actually. Um, Ian Whitworth um, okay. is a is a is a friend who's just uh, got a new book coming out, yep. which name escapes me, but yep. that's right. I'm not here to plug his book. That's okay. Um, I'll but, we can uh, add it. I'll, We'll contact you <laughs>
1: later and get it in the show notes.
0: Um, but uh, <coughs> that's probably the only one. And again, it's just about um, doing business um, non-academically, doing yeah. business in the real world. Yeah, you know, and you know, what are those things that um, annoy people, or you know, yeah, I love it. Yeah. I'm check it out. Yeah, it's worth it. Is there anyone that you admire or look up to? Um, this will sound so cliche but um, I've really enjoyed working with Andrew Daniels. Mm. Uh, for me, going, meeting him at sort of 32 to where I am now is a lot of learning that goes through in those years. Mm. Um, so that he's been tremendously influential in, in my career um, in that regard. Um, I've got a lot of time for um, just so many people who are professionals experts of what they do. You know, our culinary team here and what they do um, it's just inspirational. Mm-hmm. You, know, I, you know, to be a leader in a business that's so high-performing it creates such a great product is, is a real privilege. Um, so, um, yeah, we, you know, I've come from a hospitality background. You yeah. know, those guys are often unsung heroes. They're not yeah. all crazy. Yeah, yeah. Some of them are, <laughs> but, uh, you know, they just they work so hard, you know, um, and they deliver such great products. What's the best advice that you've received over your career? Couple of pieces uh, probably. Um, Mum was uh, very much about the same people you're passing the way up will be the same ones you're passing away down, mm-hmm. um, which I think is is pretty sage advice. Mum works here at the Oval now in the cafe, I so yeah. <laughs> um, I get to see her most days, which is great. Um, and the other one is um, work out what you want in life and tell as many people as possible, uh, because somewhere on the line, you know, somebody will remember it or yeah. their needs will intersect with your needs. And if you're not telling people um, all the time about what your aspirations, dreams. Uh, where you want to go, um, people won't know.
1: That's right, out of sight,
0: um, out of mind. E- yeah. Exactly. So you know, you have to you have to bang your own drum a little bit. Mm. Um, there's a balance to that, you know. Just, um, but for me, that's been very useful, you know, in my life. This is what I'd like to to, to achieve. Because either people give you the feedback of what you need to do to get there. Mm. Um, and that itself is quite valuable. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, what do you want to achieve? We'll get everyone listening in on this. <laughs> yeah, no.
0: I'm um, look. I'd love to. Um, I'm enjoying my role now. As I said earlier in the piece, I, I, I'm feeling like you know, there's a few years of development within, yeah, within this role no doubt. Um, here to to really understand it and be um, effectual in it. Um, I'd love to put my hand up at the right time uh, to lead the Adelaide label business. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very passionate about what we're doing here. Uh, I know the business well, um, but uh in the same token, you know you know never you know you never know where life's gonna take you either. yeah correct. you know, but uh I think well, with well,
1: the network that you have, there'll be people throwing themselves at you at some point or positions at you, i should say
0: <laughs> yeah well i'm I'm happy here my 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 daughter's you know just started high school this year, yeah. and as i said we've we've still got a we've still got a long way to go here at the yeah, look, well like, so it's a I'm talking a career right yeah, yeah.
1: we're not there's no we're under no illusion that we're all going to stay in the same spot for the rest of our lives. You've got a long way in your career to go. It's interesting just to know where you, you – you, you said it yourself. You always tell people where you want to go. and Yeah. Interested no. in it.
0: I think you know to be in a place for 10 years but to have seen the change and and it's, mm. every year is a renewal um, as yeah. well Is has is, is been very fortunate yeah. uh, as well. Yeah, and you've
1: so. seen a lot of growth in that space. So it's feeding you what you need right now. Absolutely. A bit of a different question. If you had a time machine and you could go – anywhere mm. in that time machine. So, two-way trip. Yep. <laughs> where would you go?
0: Oh, I think I'd
1: I'd go forward in time. Forward in time.
0: You're one of the rare people. I love it. Everyone uh, says back. Uh, <laughs> no, I'd go forward in time uh, for a number of reasons. One is imagine what you could do if you knew Excuse me. If you knew where the world was going to go. Oh, I'd buy um, the almanac, right? <laughs> buy the almanac, right? I mean, just, uh, why would you not want to go forward in time? It doesn't <laughs> the next, make sense. The next 20 Melbourne Cup winners. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. It's, all, it's in the book. Is in the movie, the Back right? to the Future. I yeah, just follow that. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I think I'd go forward in time. Yeah. I mean, history is well recorded and and, and understood. And um, I just think we live in an amazing time, you know. It's uh, uh I don't lament the old days or anything like Mm. that. I think it was good, bad, and different. But we live in a time of just unprecedented health and, you know, material. You know, um, we have things. Yeah. You know, we have problems. Mm. It's not all rainbows and skittles. Absolutely. You know, environment worries me. The you know the you know geopolitics worries me. You know, there's plenty out there to worry about. But you know, I think we we we're very privileged to live in this time.
1: Mm. It'd be good to see where we
0: end up. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And it's very fascinating. I think that, uh, you know, you, you, you talk to, to – uh, you get to see a lot of people here who are quite um, elderly and been around the Oval for a long time, a lot of 50-year-old members and things like that, and talk to them through their stories. For me, I'm really – you know, I can't wait – I can't wait to get there. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah. you know, the stories that we've got to tell that next generation yeah. or the great-grandkids um, as well absolutely. is going to be pretty interesting.
1: Uh, we, we touched on Marvel,
0: but if you if you had a uh,
1: choice to have a superhero power, what would it be?
0: Oh, that's a good question. I think, um, be able to read minds. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, that would be great. You know what people are thinking. Yeah. You don't always want to know. No. You know? I have trouble reading my own. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think that, uh, yeah, I think that would be, that would be pretty fascinating. Mm. Yeah, again, it's a little bit like going, Forward in time, if you yeah. knew what people were thinking, you'd you'd be you know it'd be pretty pretty strong super uh, super power to have. But. Yeah, you'd have to be able to switch it on and off though. Oh yeah, you wouldn't want to hear people's thoughts no, all the time. No, some things you could not unhear, right? Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, exactly, one
1: hundred percent. And you are you you are a father,
0: mm-hmm. so no doubt you have a dad joke.
1: What's your best dad joke? And keep it clean. Yeah, I know. <laughs> now I'm trying to think of a joke that I
0: tell my children. I'm not. <laughs> Oh,
1: um, oh! Put
0: you on the spot. I, oh, I, thought, the spot. I, I thought
1: if I'd... anyone, you'd have twenty that you could rattle off. I have a range
0: you've... of jokes, yeah, I... and they're all shit. So yeah, just... I just don't they're. <laughs> I don't know if I'm telling them to my children. I oh, will
1: just tell us. <laughs> so...
0: <laughs> all right, I'll rephrase it. Tell us a shit joke. <laughs> oh no, they're all. I'd I... You put me on the spot. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I think I'm blushing here. Um <laughs> I, you I'm can, gonna, you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass. I know I'm gonna kick myself later. and walk oh, straight out of here no. and go, oh, there's that joke. I, I've got a range of jokes, but honestly, you'd be editing half of it out. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll leave it. at <laughs> episode That episode's more about we me know, than, yeah. uh, <laughs> than anything. Maybe
1: if we had a few beers here,
0: we we would have got one out of you. <laughs> no, I'm it's sure a, I'll think of one the moment uh, I walk out of here. No so. yeah. Yeah. I need, a, yeah. So I'm naturally a funny guy, right? Yeah. So, well, don't need jokes. The, yeah. Well, that, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You have
1: that charm about you. Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to learn a little bit more about you and your career and and kudos to you and the guys about you know and the team I should say what you did last year and all the ups and downs of last year and and where you where you've taken the stadium over the past 8 years it's it's in a brilliant brilliant place to be every time i walk here i think we i did some workshops here for about 6 months we did we were here uh, once a week or twice a week for for workshops for 6 months and at not one point that I ever get sick of, of coming in coming in here and doing some work. So uh, it's always a pleasure and, and like I said, kudos to you and, and the team. If people want to get in uh, contact with you, where can they find you?
0: Yeah, at Adelaide Oval. Uh, so Adam Bontoff at adelaideoval.com.au or mobile is always good, 044 Always happy to get texts, phone calls. Um, you know, it's one of the great things about being here is we get to share it with everybody. Yeah. So everybody's always welcome.
1: Brilliant. And, and link, you're on LinkedIn because oh, actually we had this conversation. You've yeah, got uh, someone
0: pirating your account I do at them. the moment. Why would, what, <laughs> what? why would you want to? I don't know. I think I, <laughs> I could – I'm happy to be proven wrong on this but yeah. as far as I know, there's only one Adam Vontoff on the planet yeah, you know it's such a rare name yeah. so
1: yeah yeah. so two on LinkedIn with the same photo doesn't make yeah, sense yeah
0: it doesn't make sense at all I'm, I'm not too sure what's going so on so for
1: those who want to check you out on LinkedIn it's your the title is CEO. C- C-O. yeah. yeah. that's the the correct, correct that's LinkedIn. the correct one yeah good man thank you very much for your time pleasure thanks for having me take care everyone
0: thank you once again for joining us here at Creating Synergy It's been great spending this time with you. Please jump on to the Synergy IQ Facebook and LinkedIn page, where the discussion continues after the show. Join our mailing list so you'll know what's happening next at synergyiq.com.au. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you really enjoyed it, please share it with your friends.